opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. And uh, now I see that we have Carrie Greenwood, not Julie. Uh, I never can pronounce her last name these days. Uh, used to be Fonseca, it's now Camillus, I believe is the way it's pronounced. And uh, Carrie has been her assistant for many, many years. And since I see that it's uh, Carrie that's going to represent uh, the uh, Kansas Youth Im uh, Empowerment Academy today, uh, I want to tell a story about Carrie in the early days of this organization. And they have to go to the legislature uh, to uh, keep themselves in the funding stream like everybody else does. And one of the years that uh, I believe I was doing lobbying for the NIB affiliate that I mentioned, uh, might have been with KABVI, just doing lobbying on behalf of that organization. But in any case, almost everybody who was taking a program of worth to the legislature and saying, we need this and this and this in funding, didn't get it. It was just a bad year financially for the state of Kansas, and nothing was happening. Carrie Greenwood came in representing Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy, and she went to the legislature and single-handedly saved that program that year. She may have done it other years as well, but I got to see her do it that year. And I know what a very capable and talented person she is and how very committed she is to what her organization does. So uh, for the next half hour, we have Carrie to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the uh, Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy and uh, maybe particularly to talk about some of the people who are blind and visually impaired who have uh, worked with that academy. And thank you very much. Take it away, Carrie. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for sharing that story. Gosh, it's been it's been a while. Um, I don't know that I would say I single handedly saved the organization or anything, but thank you for that. <laughs> um, you know, the legislature is not an easy place to go to. And I was terrified. So but thankfully, we had a, a positive outcome from that. So thank you guys so much for having me today. I apologize for the confusion as far as who was speaking today. <laughs> I was originally the speaker and then um, Julia and I talked and we thought she would be um, even better just because she does identify as a person who is blind, um, but she's having some family health stuff going on. And so it's back to me today. So um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you all about our organization. Um, and really what I'm just going to do today is tell you all about the Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy, what we do, who we serve, um, the multiple programs and services that we have in our organization. Um, and then, of course, open it to questions if anyone would like to ask any questions of, of what we do. Um, now, I do have a PowerPoint, but is it better if I just speak or is the PowerPoint helpful for this group? You guys tell me what you think would be better. If it's helpful for you, you're welcome to use the PowerPoint. But I suspect that about 90 percent of the people who are on this uh, web, <laughs> web or don't find PowerPoints to be particularly useful. Okay. <laughs> That's what I kind of figured, but I thought I would at least offer it just in case um, maybe someone would want to 
to um, view it if they have some vision. So I'm just going to leave that out. I will just talk today about what we do and um, just kind of take you through some different things. So let me start by introducing myself a little bit further. Uh, Again, my name is Carrie Greenwood. I serve as the program coordinator for the Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy, or KYEA for short. Um, I have been involved with this organization for for a really long time. I was a participant in one of our programs way back in 2001, and it just truly changed my life. And that's how I got involved in the organization. Um, But we weren't an organization at that time. And I was able to really work with some other people uh, way back in 2005 to help open um, this, this, what, what was just a program and help it become an actual organization in 2005. And I'll talk more about that here in a little bit. So I really have been involved since the very beginning and um, it just, I love what we do. I love what our organization stands for. Um, I was truly impacted by these programs. And so now I'm able to have the opportunity to bring these programs to other youth in our state. So, um, so yeah, so that's a little introduction. Um, again, I, I love KYEA and my position is that I coordinate our, some of our programs, not all of our programs, but I coordinate our youth leadership forum. I do lots of presentations for the organization. Um, I also am currently helping coordinate our Empower Me workshops as well. And again, I'll talk more through all those programs here in a little bit. So, um, so I'm going to start today by encouraging, I don't know how many people are at this conference, but whoever you are out there, I'm going to encourage you to think a second about what what makes everyone that's attending this conference today, what makes you all different from each other? Um, just kind of think about that. You know, I, I know that um, we're not in person here, so I'm not going to have anyone share answers to that question. But I want to start with that because, um, you know, what we do at KYA is we we work with youth with disabilities and we help them to recognize that yes, they have disabilities. They are different in some way. Um, and we help them to celebrate those differences. Um, so we're also, we also bring them together as people who are similar in the fact that um, they all do have disabilities of some kind. And so really bringing them that community to say, you know what, you're a part of the club and really making that a cool thing that, you know what, you're a person with a disability and it's it's something that is, you know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. You can feel a part of a community and really introducing them to that community. But it is hard because being a young person with a disability as many of you guys know and probably remember from when you were younger, you don't want to be different. When you're young, you don't want to be different. You don't want to stand out. You want to fit in. You want to be like everyone else. And so um, within our organization, we work to really help them to feel like they are a part of a community and help them to um you know, say, okay, my disability is okay, and then move on from there to, you know, who am I as a leader? Um, What do I want for my life? What uh, resources are out there for me? How can I be proud of my disability? So, So those are really some of the areas that we focus on, which is empowering the youth so that they can feel like they are in charge of their own lives and they're making decisions for themselves and they're creating their own goals. We help them to be ready for the future. So we really work with them to, you know, write those goals. We don't write them for them. We help them to really kind of 
you know, put into words what it is that they want to do, and then also help them to know the resources that are available to, um, you know, accomplish whatever those goals are, like exposing um, maybe youth who are blind and visually impaired to an organization like KABVI that can assist them specifically with their specific disability. So um, again, we also help them to become proud of their disability. So helping them to know that you know, you may be different and that's okay. And that you can be proud of, of all of who you are, including your disabilities. We help them to learn that they can be involved in the community. Um, you know, you don't have to just sit at home all the time. Um, not only that, but that you should be employed. And I love that you guys just had a session on employment because it is extremely important. And so we are really starting from those younger ages to say, um, you should be employed. You can be employed and you should be employed. Now, again, that looks differently for everybody, but um, but it is possible and college is possible and you can be involved in the community and you can be in leadership positions and things like that. Um, we really help them to be aware of the possibilities and the resources and um, what is all available to them. And as as youth, they oftentimes just don't know about all those different things and their parents don't know about it as well. So we're, we're really educating the youth and, and oftentimes, you know, we might talk to parents as well or families or, or whoever it is that needs the information. So, but our focus is very much obviously on the youth and hearing from them, hearing their voice, hearing what they want and providing programs directly to them. So that's kind of an overview of what we do. So let me kind of get into more of the details. So our actual mission, I'm going to kind of state that to you guys. Our mission is to educate, mentor, and support youth with disabilities to be contributing members of the community. So again, we, we want to help youth with disabilities in our state to you know, be educated on what's, what is out there, like I already said. We want to help them to find mentors. We want to support them. So, you know, a lot of them don't have support maybe at home or at school or things like that. They just don't have that support. And so we are kind of there to say, you can do this. You can accomplish your goals and be successful and be independent. And we show them how that's done. You know, we show them examples of, of how other people are doing it. Um so, so we really serve as kind of that, that support system to them. When it comes to our history, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, this organization started as just one program. It started as just the Kansas Youth Leadership Forum. And that program started in 2001, or the, the first program was held in 2001. And after about five years, uh, those of us who were involved in the organization, or involved in the program, I should say, realize that, you know what, there's so much that can be done for youth with disabilities in our state. And one week just, one week just doesn't cut it, honestly. Um, you know, there's a lot we can do with youth in one week, but there's so much more that we can do if we have a year long organization that can really expand upon what we're doing and provide more programs and services to the youth. So in 2005, uh, we did go to the legislature. I don't believe that's the time that Michael was speaking about, but we did, um, you know, we took some of our youth and parents and supporters 
to the legislature and gave testimony and, um, you know, asked for some match funding. Um, the, the main funding came from Kansas Rehabilitation Services. But in 2005, uh, we did get that funding and we were able to open the Kansas Youth Empowerment Academy as a full nonprofit organization to serve youth with disabilities throughout our state. We serve ages 5 to 25. So a lot of times we say youth and people are like, what the heck does that mean? You know, that can mean so many different things. Um, For our definition at KYEA, we say ages 5 to 25. So that's kind of the age range that we focus on. Um, A lot of what we do, though, uh, right now is working with youth in the high school ages. So kind of that transition stage of trying to figure out your future, trying to figure out your life and what comes next, and also kind of the post-high school, early 20s stage as well. Um, I'll talk more about, you know, younger ages and what we do with that as well, but when it comes to kind of the majority of our programs, um, a lot of our, like our leadership programs and things like that are more of the the high school and and right post-high school ages. Um, But our core, our kind of our, uh, our guiding principle is the quote, nothing about us without us, which means that youth with disabilities are at the core of what we do. Youth with disabilities help start this organization. They are a part of our board. They um, help us to, they help us volunteers. Um, A lot of times we have youth on our staff. So youth are really at the core of what we're doing and they're helping us make decisions and they're helping us figure out what we need within our organization. So so the youth really do guide what we do at KYA. The One of the biggest things I want to mention is that all of our programs and services are free to the youth who want to participate. We work very hard to raise money and have the funds available to do what we need to do so that the youth can come without any cost to them. So all of our programs and services are free to the participants. So now I'm going to kind of go into some of our individual programs and describe them a little bit more. So, um, and, uh, you know, we have within our organization, we have multiple programs and then we have multiple services. And so kind of one of our still one of our largest and main programs is the Kansas Youth Leadership Forum. This is where we started and this is definitely uh, one of our biggest programs that really guides um, a lot of the, the the way that we serve youth. So the Kansas Youth Leadership Forum is a week-long leadership training for high school juniors and seniors with disabilities, as well as those youth who um, are in a transition program as well are eligible to participate. So it's juniors and seniors and anyone in a transition program. Um, So it is a week-long leadership training. So that encompasses a lot of things. Uh, Let me first say that this whole week is held on a college campus. So it's typically held for a whole week in July at Washburn University in Topeka. And uh, the group comes together to really just be immersed in leadership and empower empowerment and disability pride. Um, we have, the, the week is about learning 
but it's also about fun. But let me tell you first that this program, again, has been around for 22 years, which is so crazy, um, especially because I was a participant that first year and and um, I just can't believe it's been 22 years. But uh, in those 22 years, we have had 470 youth who have come through this program. Uh, we're almost, we're, we're nearing the 500 mark, which is even more crazy. Um, but it's just awesome to know that all of these alumni are now out there in our state or even in other states, actually, some of them have moved and are doing amazing things. They're serving as leaders. They are working, they're going to college, they're, you know, serving in leadership positions and all those things. So 470 youth at the time, um, have been through this program. So again, the, the week is, um, it's about leadership. It's about, um, there's so many things that go into leadership. You know, it's about learning how to advocate for yourself. It's about learning about disability awareness and disability history in your community. Uh, it's about learning how to set goals, what resources are out there for you, how to be successful in the real world, um, how to communicate, how to be assertive when you need to be assertive, things like that. So it's a lot of different things in one week. But um, what we do is during this week, we have large group sessions where we bring in speakers from the community on a wide variety of different topics from leadership to, again, all the things I've mentioned, goal setting, um, disability history, disability awareness, advocacy, things like that. So we have speakers that come in. We also have small group sessions where our youth are divided into smaller groups, and um, those small groups are led by volunteers, many of whom do have disabilities themselves, and they are able to really just have discussion, um, do activities. Uh, they write goals in those small groups as well, um, and so it's it's really just a time to come together in a smaller group and, and process what you're learning. So that's what the small groups are. Every delegate that comes creates a personal leadership plan, which is a goal plan. So it's it's them writing down five goals that they have for their future and how they're going to accomplish those goals. And every group also creates a banner to kind of represent a group name and a group banner to represent their small group. Uh, so the, the fun part of it, is that, well, I already mentioned some of it, but the more of the fun is that we have a barbecue. We have adapted recreation, which is typically wheelchair basketball. We have a resource fair and a real life affair that we that we call the real life affair, um, where we bring in community resources and have booths and things like that. We have a day at the Capitol. So we take our youth to the Capitol. They get to typically meet the governor, have a tour, do a mock debate, in the Senate chambers in the Capitol, we have a, um, a mentor luncheon where we pair each of our youth up with an adult who works in the career field that they're interested in for lunch. And they get to chat, learn from me, their mentor, um, really just kind of create a new networking connection for them. And then, of course, we have a talent show and a dance because, I mean, they're teenagers and they want to dance. And so we give them that opportunity as well. So it, it is a lot of learning, but then it's also a lot of fun stuff that um, that they get to do throughout the week, too. And through all of this, they are they're making friends. They're getting to hang out with their peers who have disabilities. Um, you know, they're being fully accepted, which for a lot of them is a new thing. They're just, they're not used to that. Um, 
And so, so it is quite a transformational experience because of all of those things. So with this program, um, again, those who can attend is that a young person has to live in Kansas. They have to have a disability of some kind. They have to be a junior or senior in high school or in a transition program. And then they have to have demonstrated leadership potential or interest, which can be a wide variety of different things. Leadership looks differently for every person. And so you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be a leader. And we we like to make sure that people understand that when they're thinking of recruiting youth, that leadership comes in a lot of different forms. So um, now, so uh, we do provide all accommodations to the youth who want to attend this program. And that includes, um, of course, any uh, visual materials um, can be made into large print, braille, uh, materials on like a flash drive for electronic format. Of course, we also provide sign language interpreters, personal care attendants. Um, we have volunteers there who can just help with, you know, understanding things or processing what's going on, all that type of stuff. So we provide any accommodation that is needed for the youth to attend. Um, again, there's no cost for this program. Um, there is an application process, so um, any youth who's interested in attending must fill out an application that includes um, two references and um, two essays, but the essays can be written, they can be um, video recorded or audio recorded, just kind of whatever, whatever works best for that youth. So, um, so that is the Youth Leadership Forum. I know I kind of flew through that program, but I have some others that I have to talk about as well. So if you guys have questions about that, we can definitely come back to that program. Um, let me also mention that our website has information about all of these programs, and it also has our applications so that if you have someone who's interested, they can always go to our website to find more information and the application. So that's the Youth Leadership Forum. Um, our next program that we have is called Faces of Change. And, you know, I just talked about the Youth Leadership Forum being a leadership program, and it is. It is more of a beginner's leadership. So, you know, youth who are just starting out in their leadership journey, whereas Faces of Change is an advanced leadership program. So it would be for people who maybe have had some leadership experiences already, and they're wanting to expand upon that. This program is open to young adults between the ages of 18 and 25. So it's a more wide age range um, from the Youth Leadership Forum. And Faces of Change is way more intense. Um, it's more focused on things like professionalism, finding your passions. Um, it's focused on learning how to serve on boards, um, learning how to do public speaking and how to be good at that. So it's it's more intense, advanced topics related to leadership. Um, and this program is held at a hotel in Topeka, not for a whole week, but it's actually um, one weekend a month for seven months. So it's not something that you stay at for a whole week. It's more of you come for the weekend for one month and then the next month you come back and, and things like that. So a little bit different format from the other program that I just mentioned, but it does have similar qualities to the leadership forum in that we bring in speakers, of course, 
we have activities that we do, we have discussions. Um, it's kind of the same type of like learning that happens, just more advanced topics that are talked about. And um, again, this program does have an application as well, and that's on our website. Um, this program we are not currently recruiting for just because we are not having a class right now of Faces of Change, um, but it is something that we are definitely hoping to do again in the future. So now the youth leadership form that I just mentioned, we are recruiting for that program. So now is the time to be thinking about who might be good for that program. So, so those are kind of our two leadership programs. I'm going to kind of move along so I don't run out of time here. Um, other things that we do at KYA, we do workshops. So um, we can do a day-long workshop on a wide variety of different topics. We've done workshops on um, employment. That's one of our bigger ones is kind of taking a whole day with youth with disabilities in a certain city and talking about employment. We also do uh, independent living. So maybe an organization wants to bring us out for a day to talk about independent living for a day and what that can look like and how, how do you live on your own? How do you live independently? Things like that. Um, we've also done workshops on relationships, how to have healthy relationships and kind of all the things that play into that. Um, so again, these are day-long workshops where we have um, speakers, we have panels, we have discussions, activities, um, hands-on things that we do a wide variety of different things go into these workshops. And those can be done in person or virtual. We've definitely learned a lot in these last few years. And so we are now doing our workshops virtually as well. So um, we do have a collaboration with Pre-Employment Transition Services or Pre-ETS. Maybe some of you have heard of that. And um, we do employment workshops with them uh, pretty much once a month. So that is definitely one of our bigger workshops that we do. And that that one is full of, you know, um, doing mock interviews, um, uh, preparing a resume, talking about soft skills, figuring out what job might be good for you or what job you might enjoy. All kinds of stuff goes into that workshop. So um, another program that we have is our mentoring program, and it's called Mentoring Matters. And basically, that's just where we can connect youth with disabilities in our state with a mentor. So maybe they want to meet someone with their same disability who's an adult, or maybe they want to meet someone who works in a, a specific career field. We can work with them to find someone in that career field to chat with. Um, so it's it's we have a wide pool of contacts. And so through our mentoring program, we just work with that youth to figure out what they want, and then we help to find a mentor for them and kind of guide them through the process of, you know, really building and creating that mentoring relationship. Something else that we do is what is called empowerment planning, which is if a young person has a goal that they want to accomplish, we can have a conversation with them or a meeting with them and help them to write a goal plan to accomplish that goal and figuring out what steps it's going to take to accomplish that goal and what resources can help them. So it's really kind of writing that in-depth goal plan for whatever goal they have. Doesn't have to be, 
I mean, it, it might be employment, it might be college, it might be independent living, but it also could be a hobby goal or a relationship goal or a friendship goal, or um, they want to travel somewhere. I mean, it's it's really whatever goal that they have for their future, we can help them to really process that. So, um, and then one other program that we have is our presentations. And so we do a wide variety of presentations all across the state. Again, these can be in person or they can be virtual. And so the topics that we can present on is, I'm just going to list them off here real quickly, disability awareness and etiquette, disability history, advocacy, goal setting, self-esteem, employment soft skills, sexual health, uh, and making a good first impression. That's actually one of our newer ones. Um, But we can present on these topics anywhere throughout the state to any group. Um, We really adapt our presentations to fit whatever audience, of course, that we're talking to. And so if you're interested in bringing us out for a presentation or having us do a virtual one, you can definitely contact us and we can get that set up. So that's kind of our, um, those are kind of our main programs and services. Uh, We do have youth volunteer opportunities. We provide a lot of information and referral to youth in our state. Um, We provide a lot of peer support. We also have a newsletter that we do that comes out about four times a year. It's an e-newsletter, so it's through email. And it's, uh, it really just kind of tells about what we're doing, what's going on in our state, And we also pick a different theme each newsletter to kind of focus on. It's very youth focused, but it's also a great way just to kind of learn what's what's going on within our organization and what's going on within our state. Um, So if you're interested in signing up for that, you would just go again, go to our website. There's an e-newsletter page and you just put your email in and we can get you signed up for our our newsletter. So um, so with that, I think my time is almost up, but What I would encourage you guys to do, these are ways that you can get involved. One is, of course, to refer your youth to us. Or if you are a youth, check us out. Find out if maybe there's something that you might want to get involved in. We are always looking for volunteers, and that could be adults as well. So if you like working with youth, um, you know, there are definitely multiple ways to volunteer within our organization. You can book us for a presentation. You can partner with us. You can donate to us. and, and most of all, you can just empower the youth that you know with disabilities. It's really, really important that our youth know that they can accomplish anything that they put their minds to. And that starts with all of us working to empower them and working to make sure that they know what's possible and, and providing that support and encouragement to them. And again, that starts with all of us. So that's really the biggest thing that you can do is kind of have that mindset of empowering the youth that... Um, that you're around. So I know I just threw a lot of information at you guys. Um, Is there any questions that I can answer about KYEA? And we do still have some time for questions because I don't see our next uh, presenter having joined us on the panel. Oh, okay. uh, So uh, if anyone has a question for uh, Carrie, even though we're kind of at the end of her time, why we'll, uh, Certainly be glad to take that. Amanda has a question. All right. Carrie, can you email me that prerequisite information? And the I know the VR program, I heard a little bit about it at the Disability Caucus, but can you send me some information on that? 
I just want to make sure I know which one you're talking about, Mandy. Are you talking about our collaboration with, with pre-employment transition services or? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can send you some information about that. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And we now have Michael. Thank you very much, Carrie. It's a pleasure to uh, hear you. And I must say, as an old college speech teacher, one of my many vocations during my professional life, you do an excellent presentation. Thank Uh, you. A a quick story about uh, about Carrie. And then I see Michael McCary has just entered the panel. So we'll go to him and not run too far behind here. But uh, one of the things that uh, I know Carrie did in her early, early life, and I don't want to embarrass you, Carrie, because <laughs> I think you should be very proud of this, is she was uh, the uh, Kansas representative to Miss Wheelchair America. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I served as Miss Wheelchair Kansas. Uh-huh. At the time that was taking place, why uh, the head of Kansas Youth Empowerment uh, Academy was a lady named Brenda Eddy, whom I later had an opportunity to follow into a job that she had had for a while. A good friend of mine, Brenda's now in Texas. But I said something to her about, well, I don't know why we promote any disability-related beauty contest. That discriminates against the ugly or something like that. <laughs> Brenda kind of laughed and said, well, Michael, you don't think about the poise and the uh, social graces that are learned through beauty contests. And, uh, you know, there will be some aspects of that that will be relevant to you someday. Mm -hmm. A few years later, I didn't have my certified orientation and mobility uh, credentials yet, but I was teaching some orientation and mobility in the state of Kansas, working for the Kansas Deaf Blind Project. And I was contacted by a uh, young lady who was deaf at the Kansas State School for the Deaf who was competing for Miss Deaf America representing Kansas. And she has Escher's syndrome, which is a common cause of deaf blindness, causes the peripheral vision to get narrower and narrower and narrower. And she (laughs) said, I need some work to figure out how I can gracefully walk up and down the runway and uh, represent Kansas appropriately in uh, in that field. And I think it's one, as someone who is both an orientation and mobility specialist and a drama therapist in my past, it was one of the most fascinating lessons I've ever had an opportunity to teach. And uh, she later told me, oh yeah, I'll always remember that. It was helpful. I don't remember whether she won or not, but uh, I don't think that I would have gone into that lesson uh, with nearly the enthusiasm and I had not had exposure to Carrie and uh, her efforts in this wheelchair, Kansas. And I don't think I ever told her that. Oh, well, thank you. I, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, it's, people definitely get an, an impression of Miss um, Wheelchair, Kansas and other programs like it of, you know, a beauty, beauty pageant and things like that. And it's it's much more focused on. Um, yeah, a person's confidence, how articulate they are, their more of their inner beauty and who they are as a person. So thanks for mentioning that. I, I appreciate that. And I just realized that um, I need to share how you guys can find KYEA, which our website is www.kyea.org. Pretty simple. So anyways, if you're interested in learning more, you can definitely go there. But I appreciate you guys having me today.
thank you so much. And we do need to move on now to kind of try and stay on schedule. And now let's see. It says here on my notes that Anne is supposed to introduce this next guy that's going to be speaking to us. So I will mute. So my we're also we're also changing hosts now. Thank you, Lucy, for hosting. And it will now be Travis Butler. You're welcome. Um, first of all, uh, thanks, Michael, for for doing this with us. We we're not giving you a lot of time this time, so you got to talk fast. Um, everybody or many people have worked with Kansas Assistive Technology for Kansas. I'll get it right eventually. It's been a long week, um, so I'm not going to say much about Michael except to say that. He has uh, really created a niche for himself in the in the technology arena, and um, despite my best efforts, does a good job of teaching people how to use technology. Uh, Michael and I worked together a long time ago, and uh, it's it's been fun to see him mature and grow into the into the job. So, with that said, go ahead, Michael. Thank you all for allowing me to be here. And I have to say uh, to Carrie, I have uh, participated as a uh, vendor and resource for the YLF program. And to be honest, I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, I am here representing assistive technology for Kansans. I've been uh, working with uh, ATK since roughly 2006 um there was a time span i did leave the program um from 07 to uh, i think believe 2010 and i have to tell you a little quick story here um the whole reason that i found out about assistive technology for kansas at the time was uh a dear lady friend of mine um who's in the group here um had sent me the email and said you ought to apply for this. And I'm like, there's no way. I don't have the credentialing. They wanted a bachelor's degree and some other things that I didn't have. And she's like, oh, no, you got to try it. So I did. And with the help of Mr. Byington and Mrs. Byington, um, was lucky enough to get the job. And so I started with assistive technology then in Lawrence. Since then, um in 07, I left um, due to my wife having a child and and then came back in about 2010 and have been with them since then. Um, but assistive technology is a statewide assistive technology project. So the services you get from me here in the Northeast region, which we are have five access sites across the state, and I'll kind of explain those. Um, but basically, uh, the area that I cover is Miami, uh, Franklin, and Osage County, which is our far south boundary, all the way to the Nebraska line, and then Osage, Shawnee, Jackson, and Brown to the Missouri state line. That's the area that my specific office covers. I am based here in Topeka. However, um, the... Uh, Assistive Technology for Kansas Project does have four other sites, 
We have a site in Parsons. We have a site in Wichita, a site in uh, Salina, and a site out in Oakley. So unfortunately, the western third of the state is all out of uh, Oakley. Um, and then Wichita South is the Wichita Air Office. Salina from it, it's kind of a convoluted. There is actually a map. Um, if folks are interested, I can, and you call our 800 number, which I'm going to go ahead and give that to you now, which is 1 800 CAN with a K. So that's K A N D O I T. Uh, can do it. Or 1 800 526 3648. That, if you call from a landline, it will route you to your uh, local. Uh, office. However, Northeast, we're having some issues still. Um, but the if you call from a cell phone, it will take automatically transfer you to our Parsons office. And then they can actually tell you, uh, you know, if you give them your county, they'll automatically identify and give you the phone number, the local phone number for the county that you need to contact for the access site. Um, assistive technology has a ton of different services that we offer, and I'm going to run through them very quickly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We have, of course, the ICANN Connect, which is the deafblind program, which works with individuals who have both a hearing and vision impairment. Um, there is a simple application that you fill out, and we can help work with folks with uh, getting iPads, iPhones, Android phones, tablets, desktop systems, laptops, um, refreshable Braille displays, um, video magnifiers. So, and it's all that program is probably one of the coolest ones because it's not employment related. Uh, the purpose of the I Can Connect program is to provide high-end telecommunication to individuals uh, who are wanting to try to communicate more effectively using devices like higher-end telecommunication devices. Um, we understand the folks uh, may use the devices for other things, but the main purpose is the high-end telecommunication. Um, we have the uh, TAP program or the telecommunications access program. And I know, um, I believe last year there was some talk, folks were asking about the blind shell and the blind shell two phones, which unfortunately our program does not have. We're, we've been talking with folks and we're trying to see what we can do, but nothing has moved forward on that at this point. However, if an individual is interested in the blind shell or blind shell two phones, they can apply to the TAP program and TAP will reimburse up to $450 towards the cost of the device. And that goes as well with an Apple device. If somebody is interested in an iPhone, unfortunately we don't, you know, unfortunately due to the cost that we don't, we're not able to actually hand out, now, we do have a couple of Android phones within the TAP program that folks can get at absolutely no cost. Um, 
So if somebody is interested, again, they can contact us. Um, we can get the application out to them. It does have to be signed off by uh, certifying professionals. And there is a list of them that's on the application. And with the cellular, we do have to have proof of existing service. So like if you're doing a month-to-month -month, uh, card, we would have to have a copy of the, the month that you applied that card with the receipt. If you're doing a uh, monthly automated pay-as-you-go, we've got to have a, at least a screenshot of the, e of the text showing that it was paid that month. And if you are doing a traditional plan where you get billed every month, we just need the first page that shows that if you're the account holder that, you know, we, that you've, you paid, you know, you got the bill. Um, if you're doing a family plan, we just need to have the first page showing the family member that is doing the, or this name is on the app, on the bill. And then the page that shows your phone number with your name on it. And most folks, they can go, uh, can go into their provider and actually name their phones so that it shows that, you know, grandma may have line one and Sonny may have line two, but that way it shows that you have service. Um, for folks that use the government assistance phones, we've had some issues with those in the past. Um, unfortunately with those, what we usually tell folks is if you can go get a monthly data card. Um, it just makes things a little bit easier. Uh, you can actually buy them online for $10. As long as we have that, it shows proof of service. Um, because there's no actual bill with, with the government phones. Um, we have, of course, Funding options. So we do work with folks with funding. And my colleague, Judy uh, Korbelik, is in charge of that. Um, what we do is we help people find different funding sources to purchase the assistive technology. So say you're looking at um, oh, Focus 40, for instance, and you're not looking at it for a work need and you don't qualify for uh, vocational rehabilitation for some reason. Well, vocational or you don't qualify for the ICANN program, but you really like to have a focus 40. We can actually help you find different philanthropic organizations <clears throat> as to help try to get the funding for the device, but we can also work with um, another program, which is a sister of ours, called the K-Loan Program. <coughs> I apologize. I'm recovering from a bit of a cold, so I do apologize about the coughs. Um, and the K-Loan Program, you know, I've talked about it in the years past. It's a 5.5% interest, low-interest loan program, which allows an individual to get the assistive technology into their hands so that they can use it and get it back you know, and be able to, to do good, get on with their life. Um, you know, I'm still a very strong proponent of that program. Um, 
I've used it in the past for some of my technology, even um, for my personal use. The other part is, is, you know, with the philanthropic organizations, there are several out there that we work with quite regularly. Um, you know, we have a statewide loan program, which is based out of Salina, and they are in the middle of revamping their their library right now. So they are in the process of looking at all kinds of new technology. And I'm looking forward because they're supposed to start letting us know some of the new stuff that they're getting in, which this equipment can be checked out for up to four weeks at a time. Um, so that you can really get your hands on it and try it before you buy it. Um, and again, on our website, which is www.atk.ku.edu, if you go to the link that has uh, information on the short-term loan, you can actually go in and search the database and see what type of technology is actually out there. And they are again in the middle of revamping it. So you can also contact the Salina office at 785-827-9383. That is the AT site there in Salina. Ask for the statewide loan program or Cassie Ramon. And you know, if you're looking for a specific piece and you can't find it in the catalog, you can always talk with them and they can help you to locate that technology. Um, and then we also do training, which our training piece is primarily for individuals who are vocational rehabilitation clients. Uh, we, we as an ATK do work with voc rehab across the state to help find uh, appropriate technology for an individual who may be going to work or going to school. We get it into their hands so they can demo it and work with it. And then if it suits their needs, we, you know, we'll work with uh, counselors to help in procurement of the technology. Um, I'm running really fast. I can't believe this. Um, or am I running behind? You're fine. Okay. So um, I'm here if you, I mean, you know, we have also, I did want to mention with the TAP program, I did talk specifically about the land, the cellular. We do still have the landline program and that is run by Jolene Benham. And she is one of our staff here through Tilrick, here in Topeka. However, across the state, each site has all the same technology. So no matter if you're wanting to look at a quick look or a uh, Clover book video magnifier here in Topeka or one in Western Kansas, we've got that technology available, which is a really cool device. It's a newer uh, portable video magnifier based off of a tablet setup. Uh, you know, that's pretty much where I am at. Um, if you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Michael, did you talk about the key program and I missed it? No, I did not talk about that. And thank you, Mandy. Mm -hmm. Um, the key program is the Kansas equipment exchange. So 
if for some reason you were in need of a hospital bed, uh, scooter, commode, um, trying to think here, uh, tub or bath chair, we actually have uh, a con a uh, working with Kansas Medicaid. We help find that equipment when it's no longer needed. We bring it in. We sanitize it to the highest level, and then we turn around and we give it back out at no cost. It is a donation-based program, so, you know, unfortunately, there are times where we, some of our higher-end stuff, like hospital beds, scooters, power chairs, they do have waiting lists for some of that technology, but, you know, but as soon as we can, we, we do try. And also, in some cases, depending on the situation, um, there is an expedited uh, method that we can go through. Um, and again, this program is statewide. So on our website, again, the www.atk.ku.edu, if you go into our link that has the Kansas Equipment Exchange on it, um, you will see a state, you'll see a database that is live. However, when you pull it up, if you're in the Northeast, for instance, here in Topeka, and you try to re to look for, for equipment, you may see five or six hospital beds that are here in Topeka. However, that list is statewide. It's not local to the area you're, you're coming in from. So we may have a, you know, a specific type of hospital bed that you're needing with the trapeze. It may be listed, but it may be out in western Kansas. It could be at Parsons. It could be Wichita, Salina. So it does take time to get that, uh, some of that technology moved around because we do try to move it around the state. I should perhaps take a moment, uh, Michael, to introduce. I believe that uh, our ACB radio folks have uh, changed our streamer again. And so, or not our streamer, but our host. So I want to thank Lucy Edmonds, who uh, has left us, but did a yeoman's job in that position, and introduce our current streamer is Tavis Butler. Thanks. And, uh, okay. So if you have questions for Michael, raise your hand, and Travis will be the one recognizing you and handling all that. So far, no questions. Okay. Hi, Michael. You did such a good good job. Nobody has any questions. Well, either that or I'm just getting completely boring. No, you're not boring. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got too much stuff going on to be boring. Um, right. This is Mandy with uh, the Older Blind Program out of RCIL, and Michael and I not only worked together because he was housed at the RCIL. Uh, for many years, but him and I work a lot together with the older blind and ATK being able to get people devices. So appreciate Michael and all he does for all the people he's worked with throughout the years. Oh, and we definitely appreciate your help too, Mandy. So you, Michael, you might want to let your um, funder know about the computers for the blind people that we heard from during the lunch hour, because they could save her some money in terms of uh, providing refurbished desk and laptop computers, pretty good ones for $100, $200, not very much money at all. So 
if you don't know about them, uh, when we get our sessions recorded, I'll let you know when that where that podcast is and you can listen to it because it's good service. Okay, thank you. It's, it's very inexpensive. And we tried to do it, but we weren't nearly as well organized as they are. They really <laughs> are on top of it. So. Well, Michael actually helped us try to start that program. And not because of any lack of expertise on Michael's part, but simply because we didn't have the financial backing with uh, the corporations and so on that they've developed to get the program off the ground. We never were able to get out more than two or three computers out of that program, but uh, Michael worked on it very hard and helped us with our database. Over the years, Michael has been a great help uh, in the KABVI office with various things. And in return for all of his uh, good help to us, uh, he gets quite a few referrals out of our office now because anybody, uh, any time I receive a call at the KABVI office where Somebody uh, is saying, I don't know how to access them dadgum cell phones and I can't see anymore. And I just I, I just don't know what to do, but I just I need to be able to communicate better. I say, well, now I'm not sure if you're in his territory, but if you call Michael uh, McCary at the uh, Northeastern Assistive uh, uh, Technology site, and ask those questions. He knows more about all that stuff than anybody else in the state. So I want to thank Michael for being a good resource still for our organization. And he helps us out where he can. And we just appreciate him very, very much. When you are ready, we do have one hand. Oh, go ahead. And that is Nancy Johnson. My question is, Michael, are you familiar with um, are you familiar with some of the the uh, open source screen readers? I've been using NVDA, and I know there are others. And these are free, and I've had really good, uh, really good experience with NVDA. I haven't learned I'm, it all yet, but I'm working on I'm it. I'm actually learning NVDA, so you know I. I am playing with some of the open source out there. Um, obviously, I'm still a dyed-in-the-wool JAWS user, but uh, I am learning the open source. Well, and I know that's becoming uh, more the, prevalent within the school districts. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the difference, and they may not be 100% up to what JAWS would be, but for people who can't afford the cost of something like JAWS, it certainly is a good uh, option to think about. And I I think, you know, where you're having organizations purchasing some of these programs, the open source programs that are good would certainly be a, a money saver for people. So I'm glad you're looking at it, Michael. Thank you. They're also doing, uh, I just subscribed to the Tech Buy line that David Goldfield puts out, and he's uh, reporting on different conferences that NVDA is doing to update their software. And what he talks about is a little more beyond my technical understanding, but um, it's not a lightweight program anymore. They're 
they're right up there with Jaws and uh, some of the other uh, screen readers. And um, Microsoft Narrator is one to consider too, because it's also free. And it's, they are in the process and Microsoft uh, Magnifier as well. They're in the process of continually updating that software. And if you're not gonna be a power user of JAWS, which most of us aren't, uh, those are good options and they're free and they're not too hard to learn. They're, they're not as complicated as JAWS. Although JAWS has some good stuff. I'm not gonna, I use it and I like it, but uh, there are other options, so. Uh, any other questions for Michael? Not at this time. Okay. Is Mr. Amadi Ferrante online? Yes, he yes. is. Okay. I just saw him. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Sorry we couldn't give you more time, but maybe next year. No problem. Thank you. All righty. Take care. I think you're up, Mr. Byington. I am up. I'm getting to introduce Mr. Michael Monteferranti of Envision, and it is a true pleasure to get to do so. I was employed by Envision at the time that uh, Michael Monteferranti came on as uh, the CEO, and that was a bit of a scary time for many people because we had gotten so used to Linda Merrill for such a long time, and then uh, had another fellow who was there just for a short time, and apparently things hadn't worked out for him. So uh, Mr. Monte Ferranti uh, came in, and everyone said, well, he's one of these uh, corporate uh, turnaround guys. And, oh, gosh, I, I, I hope that he understands what's going on with this agency and all that. Well, it turns out he had been on the Envision Board of Directors uh, previously and had a very good understanding of Envision. And that term turnaround guy is something that I hope Mr. Monte Ferranti is very proud of because uh, what that means is he go, has gone into organizations for many years and seen what he could do to make them function better and be able to help more people and employ more people. And that is exactly what he has done for Envision only this time he stayed longer so far than he has with some of the other agencies he's turned around. So I think he must like it there. And uh, we certainly appreciate having him in the state. Envision has now become a multi-state operation. He has assumed uh, work with uh, some other NIB affiliates and entities and has expanded in all kinds of directions. And he's going to give us an update on everything that's happening uh, with Envision down based with their headquarters in Wichita and uh, absolutely the most active and uh, productive not-for-profit uh, serving people who are blind and visually impaired in the state. So uh, it was a pleasure to get to work with Mr. Monte Ferrati for a number of years, and it is a pleasure to have him today. Thank you very much for being here, Michael. Uh, thank you, Michael. It's, uh, it's great to be with you, and of course, we miss you here at Envision. Um, in fact, I have a picture of you. Let's see here. Yes, right on my wall. It's a picture of you with one of your favorite shirts and ties. I can't hear you very uh, well. And doing an O&M experience on the corner of a block. So I, I still get to be with you almost every day uh, in terms of when I'm in town. So 
it's great to be with you. Uh, we appreciate your leadership and Ann's leadership of your wonderful organization. And as you know, we continue to support you very strongly. So congratulations to that. Uh, we appreciate your hard work and your collaboration with throughout the state and certainly your con continued collaboration with Envision. So um, it's great to be with you again, folks. And um, thanks for that introduction, Michael. Um, yeah, I am finishing up my 10th year here now. It's fascinating how fast a decade goes, Michael. Um, and yes, I've been on the Envision board uh, from 2005 forward and then left to go to Dallas, Texas in 2010 and then came back and had the opportunity to uh, uh, work uh, personally with Envision and all the great people uh, within the organization. And um, as Michael says, we've continued to grow Envision and, and have as much impact in the country and in the world as possible as it relates to helping individuals who are blind and visually impaired uh, in a multiple of ways, uh, which puts Envision in a very unique place in regards to um, uh, blind agencies in North America. Uh, of course, we have a thriving manufacturing operation and a thriving uh, base supply store operation where we, we man uh, office product stores on 16 military bases in 10 states. But what we've done a great job on that, that Michael certainly has, has been a part of over the years is we've, you know, we've multiplied the opportunity to have impact through not just direct employment, but also in the world of services. And you guys have talked a lot about services today, right? And, um, you know, and we, we share that, that importance. And, you know, in 2007, you know, we, we bought this, the building here that was the former EV construction headquarters on Main Street in Wichita. And we started with an early child development center, you know, which coalesces blind, visually impaired children from the zero, ages of zero to five and typically sighted children, right? And then progress them through until they launch into kindergarten. Very, very successful program, still, still managed by the founder of the area, Miss Teresa, which Michael and Ann, I don't know when the last time you've had a chance to uh, be with her, but she's still very active and rocking and rolling. And we've graduated many, many, many classes, you know, uh, over the last 13 years. And so then we built the rehabilitation clinic where we help folks with various types of macular degeneration, regardless of their ability to pay. And uh, that continues to thrive and serve more and more people. And, you know, I, I just heard a little bit about the last, you know, this last session that you're all on a little bit about the cost of equipment and, and different types of uh, situations and learning and scaling through JAWS and so forth. And of course, you know, we have um, various forms of funding that, that help people, one, acquire technology, and two, the ability to scale uh, through a digital accessibility and so forth. So we've got a, a huge focus on that here at Envision, and we're here to help people, certainly help people from Kansas, but help people from other states also, right? 
And so then we kept moving on to where uh, we have the Envision Research Institute, which is is certainly not focused on curing blindness, but the applied science of, of how we can continue to work, and maximize vision, maximize independence, and so forth through scientists from throughout the world that moved to Wichita, Kansas for two years and work on these projects, right? So it's really cool. And so the Envision Research Institute um, is another great entity that we've created here, you know, in the last six, seven years. And all of these things that I'm sharing today, uh, you can find more detail on all of this on our, on our fully accessible website, envisionus.com. And in there, you can find links to these different, um, you know, these different avenues of services that we find. And then, of course, the latest one is the Workforce Innovation Center, which is completely dedicated to um, scaling people through JAWS and Zoom text and then creating opportunities for uh, job preparation, then job placement, and then consulting to the employer in terms of accessible workplaces and so forth. So it helps, it helps the, uh, the success factor of both the employee and the employer. And so we're having a lot of fun placing people, training people, and providing uh, tools and technology for folks that want to continue to scale through, you know, um, uh, professional knowledge-based jobs. We also have a thriving uh, contact center now here called Interface, where we're hiring as many people as, as we can uh, to learn the art of contact and call center um, training and and then working and we have work with the Better Business Bureau and the CDC and uh, other companies and we have a, a large contact center in Dallas that we also run out of. So, so there's a lot of things going on here at Envision in Wichita, but we've also expanded dramatically in Dallas, Texas. We acquired the Dallas Lighthouse for the Blind about uh, four years ago. And we've continued to reconstruct and and re-engage blind, visually impaired people in North Texas. And we've had over 50% increase in blind and visually impaired employees in the in the Dallas area, which is now called Envision Dallas. And we've just won a contract yesterday, United States Army, where we're going to be sewing uh, the Army trousers. Uh, so very, very exciting. Uh, up to 10,000 trousers a month and uh so we're we're going to go on another huge hiring spree in texas and so there's opportunity for people you know to work not only in kansas but then if they feel like they want to launch into this great state of texas they've got now options and choices and the organization just becomes bigger and better in terms of opportunities for folks and um obviously it's all started right here in Wichita, Kansas. So we're proud of that. And what we continue to do is to look and merge with other organizations that continue on to have an impact. And one of the demographics that that we found that we hadn't quite engaged with, you know, we have um, this program now that we call Level Up. Uh, When Michael was here, it was called, um, you know, basically assistive technology camp at that time. And so we've migrated. Now it's mostly for high school kids. And so now it's been renamed Level Up. 
and uh, it's um, now not only in high school, but middle school and grade school. So now we're starting with the children as young as possible and continue to advance them in any type of digital way we can to, to get them trained and be able to excel as quick as possible, right? And so it's pretty cool uh, now how we've got this feeder system developed. And so then when we get to, to the level up, what we were doing is on that Friday at the end of the one week um, work, work camp there of level up, we would do these interviews and we used to call them mock interviews, but the kids were starting to get jobs. So we dropped the word mock and it's a real interview because you, you could get hired by this, um, this uh, field of choice that you picked at the beginning of the week when you did your resume and your uh, SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and so forth. And you have this opportunity to work on those through the week. And then you have an opportunity to interview with the field of your choice. You want to be an accountant. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be a chef. You know, do you want to be a teacher? And so, you know, whatever you, you might want to be, we then line you up with an interview with that, with an, in, with an industry veteran in our community. And, and uh, it's pretty cool. And so these kids are starting to get jobs. And so we were thinking, hey, we're doing a pretty good job here at Envision helping launch people and so forth. But then what we found out was, is that we were doing a pretty good job of helping train people. And then we were kind of thinking that our job was, uh, was complete. What we were finding that a lot of the folks were still having trouble finding a job for one reason or another. And so we said, okay, great. Now what we have to do is help engage with them in regards to the placement aspect of getting a job. And so then we started doing that and we had some success there. And so then we thought, hey, we're doing a pretty good job. We're done. Then what we're finding out is once some of these, these friends and partners of ours um, got a job, uh, sometimes they weren't successful in that job for various reasons. And so upon our investigation, we found out that the employer was not very skilled in being an inclusive employer in regards to understanding you know, the criticality of inclusion in the workplace for individuals who are blind and visually impaired. And, and that was hindering the success of one, the employee, and two, the employer's satisfaction of the employee being successful. So we said, okay, cool. Now we need to go into the workplace and in, in parallel to begin to teach the employer about inclusion, about the criticality of the tools uh, that people need to be successful and so forth. And so now we finally figured it out. It took us a while, right? I mean, this is over a course of years to where now we have a really cool operation called the Workforce Innovation Center that that um, has all of these services, right? In terms of um, a cadre of consulting skills, an opportunity for a great learning environment and so forth, and a great match with various employers who want to hire individuals who are blind and visually impaired uh, because one, they're great workers, two, they're incredibly smart and three, they're very loyal. And, um, and, uh, and uh, this is what employers are looking for today. And it's pretty cool. So we're, we're having some good success. So I want to share everybody today, you know, at the conference and, um, and for the people that, you know, that please envision is here as a resource. And to please call us, engage with us, use this as a resource, 
on how we may be able to help, uh, where we might be able to advise, and um, where we might be able to connect in regards to you. We're very active uh, within the state politically. Um, we're, we're big supporters of people who support our cause. We're very active in the business community. Uh, so we have a lot of great connections with different companies in different fields. And uh, we are here to serve. And, um, and we've done a good job of continuing to build the enterprise and, and look after people. So one other thing that we learned is that um, a very interesting statistic that only uh, 17% of blind, visually impaired children who um, enter as freshmen in college graduate. And so what we wanted to have a, an impact on that. So we acquired the college success program from a company in New Jersey called Learning Ally, which dealt with dyslexia and blindness. And they were phasing out of the blindness part of the business and focusing on dyslexia. And so it was a good match for us to be able to acquire their assets, their technology, their website, um, and their experience in history of the college success program. And so what the college success program does in a, in a, in a virtual uh, situation is they have college educated individuals who are blind. And what they do is we match them up with the incoming freshmen and then they match up with a mentor. And so the incoming freshmen, sophomore, junior, as they progress, have somebody that's went through the experience of going through college and uh, it's come out the other side and it helps them go through some of the uh, complexities that we're dealing with versus just saying, you know what, I've tried and this isn't right for me and I'm out. And so our goal is, is to increase the graduation rate of incoming blind freshman students. And so that's been a really fulfilling exercise for us. And uh, we continue to advance in that area. And so it's really fun to have a group of, of mentors, number one, that want to have an impact on, on individuals that are going to college. And it's really fun having over 90 students across the country that are involved uh, with the college success program. So that's another thing that we've focused in here over the last year and a half and another program that we've kind of acquired and latched onto and are, are really having a lot of fun with. And so um, we're staying busy is, is the report today in terms of what we can do to continue to have an impact, not only in the state of Kansas, but outside, outside the state of Kansas. And that means that we are here to financially help, assist and support. We're here to open our doors to have more people come in and understand what we're doing here and um, in our ability to assist in, in any way possible in regards to many of the areas that I just talked about today. And um, we're proud to be uh, a part of uh, KABBI and we've, um, we've been uh, a partner for, for some time. And we know uh, how difficult it is to keep programs like this going and so uh, anything we, we can do, uh, I know Ann and Michael um, and Bob have no problem reaching out. And usually the answer is yes. And so we, we thank you for recognizing that. And we appreciate being a partner. 
and I've got time to um, answer any kind of questions that you might have. Um, I'm sure I haven't covered everything, but you know that gives you a quick overview of what's going on with it. Envision we continue to evolve. Envision's not the same organization it was ten years ago. It's not the same organization it was five years ago, and in five years from now, it'll be different than it is today. So we continue to have that, that school of thought of evolution is good. Impact is great. And we're committed to it. So thank you for allowing me to be here today. It does indeed seem to keep growing and uh, doing new and, and very interesting things. And uh, it's wonderful to hear the update. I'd like to ask a cu- about a couple of programs, though, that I remember that I think are still in the uh, uh, operation down there that I don't know if you mentioned specifically. I've had a couple of phone calls about oh, I can't get good audio or something like that. And so I've had to field those because uh, we're, I don't know if you'd say we're the brain center of the convention. Maybe uh, ACB radio would qualify as that, but we're trying to hold up our end here. But a couple of uh, programs, and I'll ask about both of these at once, Michael, and then give you a chance to respond about both. First of all, I remember uh, people whom I was working with who weren't really employed by Envision, but they were participating in a program that was called Envision Arts. And the thing I like the best about that program is if they made an art piece that was really uh, of marketable and good quality, and most of the art that came out of that program was, uh, Envision had an arts gallery, and these people were allowed to uh, market their art pieces in the art gallery and share in the uh, proceeds from the sales of that art. And that I know for some of the people who weren't working for Envision, but whom I worked with as an orientation and mobility specialist, really helped them out not only in terms of self-esteem, but the extra infusion of income once in a while because they had sold an art object was uh, very helpful to them. Are we still doing any of that? Yeah, and- you know, I'm so... Michael, thank you for bringing that up. I was actually, uh, yes, um, that program is absolutely thriving. And listen to this. We've taken it to a new level over the past year. So Sarah, uh, Sarah Kephart is still the director of the program. So she's going on her ninth year here and established an incredible art studio as Michael mentioned, and so we we have blind and visually impaired people from all over come in and get mentored from her and have created a fantastic studio for people to work in the arts. And the arts to us is a combination of painting, drawing, sewing, macrame, wood, clay, uh, uh, statuettes. I mean, so it's it's across the board. Sarah is very, very talented and skilled in all these areas. And so is her team that works with her. And so we serve everything from our young children in ECDC all the way through seniors, right? And so what we've done now, and you might have heard about this because it's gotten a lot of press, um, certainly in the Wichita area and Sedgwick County area, is that we've now opened an official art gallery on Douglas called Envision Arts. And so we have leased a uh, uh, 3,000 square foot uh, place. We've converted it to a wonderful art gallery 
where 100% of the participants are blind and visually impaired. And so we have these exhibits and the exhibits up for 90 days and everything in the exhibit is for sale. And um, we're on our third exhibit and every one of the exhibits have sold out. And so what it is, is it's not only a art gallery, but it's a community. Um, it's a uh, kind of a community center for gathering also for individuals who are blind and visually impaired to network, to talk, to enjoy a coffee uh, together, uh, in addition to enjoy art together. And we've just recently had one of the most famous blind artists in the world come in for a two-day uh, seminar. John Bramlett from Denton, Texas, was here in Wichita for two days. And right now we have a Bramlett exhibit at the Envision Art Gallery. And so I encourage any of you who are in the Wichita area, or it's even worth a drive down. We're open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 6. And, and um, come in and feel and see this wonderful exhibit by John Bramblett and three other artists. It's unbelievable. And so there's tactile art um, and there's um, what I call traditional art in there. And this, this John Bramblett is, I mean, just off the charts. If you, if you don't know who John Bramblett is, I encourage you to Google him and understand a little bit about his story and his, his amazing skills. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that, Michael. We're very proud of that program. We're very proud of Sarah, how she's continued to have the vision of, of making the art program within Envision one of the most impactful in the country in regards to individuals who are blind and visually impaired and the talents that they have. Thank you. That's, that's uh, uh, wonderful to know. And uh, I'll ask about the other program that I don't think you mentioned much about. And uh, as a preface to this question, I remember reading a study, oh, probably uh, 40 years ago, that uh, predicted by uh, the early 2000s, 80% of all blind people who were born with severe visual impairments would have other severe and uh, uh, and significant comorbidities, as they called it, fancy name for other disabilities. And uh, certainly, as we save the lives of more people who are uh, blinded due to illness or accident, and uh, medical uh, science is saving more of their lives, we're also creating more multiply disabled people uh, who became that way adventitiously. And I know that Envision has always had a uh, program, which I believe you were calling Pride. I don't know if that's still the name used, but that works specifically with that population. And uh, many of the people who worked in that program eventually moved into more competitive employment if they were able. able. But could you give us an update on, on Pride or whatever it's called now? Yeah, uh, well done. Well said again. Pride is the acronym for People Reaching for Independence and the Development of Excellence. So we've named this area PRIDE. And um, as Michael described, um, it's individuals who are legally blind in, um, uh, in various ways. 
and then also have other uh, types of disability, right? And so they come into the program, and as Michael says, we work with them, and the goal is, is to continue to work with them and then uh, promote them into the mainstream uh, workforce. And it's, it's individuals um, that come in, they're usually young adults. Um, the, the, the age that they come into the program you know, is probably, what, 20, 21. You know, most of them are 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, we've had uh, one individual as old as 70 in the program. And then we, we, we do our best to launch them in the system. When I came to Envision in 2013 as an employee, uh, we still had a 14C certificate that allowed, um, that, that a 14C certificate allows an employer to pay people under minimum wage. One of the first things um, I did when I came here is we, we abolished our 14C certificate. We said, if people are coming in here to want to learn to work and then are eventually going to be into the workforce, um, we're not going to be doing piecemeal projects here and so forth. Uh, we're going to engage with them and help them uh, be productive workers that deserve a proper wage. And so we abolished that and, um, and, and continued to move forward. As the laws continue to progress over the last decade, there's less and less programs like Pride still active. Many of our sister agencies had uh, programs like this that are now basically been extinguished. Um, Envision is one of the few left, Michael, that, that still has a program like Pride. Organizations like Alpha Point in Kansas City and so forth, they're long gone. And so, but this is part of the fabric and the pillars of Envision. And it's a program that we support uh, fantastically. In fact, um, Later this year, we're embarking on a $500,000 renovation of Pride. So, Michael, you've known what Pride's been for a long time, and it's never had a facelift like this before. And so what we're doing is uh, we're creating teaching kitchens uh, and so forth in there and, and helping folks being able to learn how to uh, cook uh, for themselves um, and all kinds of different things. Um, we're, we're setting it up to where um, it's just a very accessible operation. And, um, and so we continue to invest, continued new people uh, come into the program. And yet there's still many people in the program that, that you've known from your years here, Michael. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a program that uh, we're very focused on. And it's one of my favorite programs in the entire organization. I personally spend a lot of time down there, as you know, and still do. So uh, very proud of that program, which now reminds me another investment that we made was with Wichita State Tech. Okay, Wichita State Tech um, has recently made a huge investment in downtown Wichita at, at and they created this thing called NICHE, N-I-C-H-E, NICHE. And it's an acronym that I, I don't know off the top of my head, but basically it's their culinary institute. And so when I found out what they were going to do, I said, you know what? This is something that Envision needs to participate in because what I wanted to do is 
create avenues to increase the, um, the nutritional value of what our people are eating and so forth. And what better way than to help uh, create a teaching institute? And so at this culinary institute in downtown Wichita, which is kind of at the corner of Douglas and Broadway is where it is, um, is it's the Envision Teaching Kitchen. And they have a program specifically set up uh, for individuals who are blind and visually impaired to where it, it helped them, it helps them learn the trade of cooking. And, and teaches nutrition. And so it's pretty cool. And they went down to Austin. They went down, they went to St. Louis and they, they've learned, uh, you know, various techniques of other uh, uh, places to where they have these, these teaching kitchens and they're trying to create the best in class and bring it into Wichita, Texas. So the chefs are into it and all that stuff. And then we've been talking to Christine Haw in Houston, who will also be coming to town and she won one of those, uh, you know, these, these cooking contests that are on TV and she's completely blind and runs a, a restaurant in Houston called the blind goat. She's got and, a set of videos. I've seen some of her work. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's amazing. And so she's engaged and another individual that some of you might know, Hobie Wedler. Hobie Wedler now has been retained as a consultant. Uh, and he is a, a really sharp kid out of, uh, California uh, that's into uh, the science of nutrition and so forth. And so they're really putting together an extra effort for this program that I'm really proud. And then we also have the BVI kit, the BVI bistro. And so they're going to have a bistro there that will be employing individuals who are blind and vision impaired also where it's serving the public in terms of uh, snacks, food, coffee, and so forth, the BVI bistro. And so we've got two different naming rights for our investment and the opportunity to um, place people there to work and the opportunity to offer classes at a discounted rate in order to, to learn how to, you know, scale your, your cooking skills. So um, everybody's eligible uh, to come in and take these classes there and they should be opening up here um, uh, in the spring is when it'll be fully operational. So, and um so feel free to look that up, N-I-C-H-E, Wichita State Tech, and then you'll see the niche thing, and then you can read all about it, and there is a section for that. I'll ask if there are questions from other people out there, but I think I need to introduce a uh, new uh, host that's helping us from ACB Radio. Uh, is that correct? I see that uh, that Brenda Collins has uh, entered. Is she going to be our new host uh, uh, Tyson, or or, uh, or yeah, I'm here. That's, yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, thank you, Travis and Belinda. Will now be the host. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Belinda. Uh, some of you who uh, look at the Facebook page may notice uh, Belinda's question of the day that she posts on the ACB community every day. I usually respond, and once in a while, she even gives my responses alike. Uh, so uh, uh, she'll be the person uh, recognizing people now. So does anybody else have a question or comment for Michael? Raise your hand and uh, uh, Belinda will recognize you. Pat Tusing is trying to get recognized. I came into this um, late. It, my question's going to sound unorganized. 
that I've been following this movement of placing people in the jobs in exactly what you're doing, sir, for about 15 years. I want the Byingtons to put me in touch with you. I do the literacy project, and I've taken something across the country, so I've actually scaled up something. So my question is not going to hit the mark, but I think you'll know how to answer it. With the right legislation, I can see that this could really go national because you're saving the taxpayers of Kansas tons of money with a successful prototype program. And I think every state needs to see this. In my experience, I've belonged to groups and I have myself found jobs for blind and people with low vision only to find out that the training agency didn't have the people or couldn't produce the candidates in time to interview for the jobs when they were open. So I see the problems of a lot of the programs, and I'm no expert like you are, but I've tried to learn what I can, is in the failure of having effective people who can actually match an open job opportunity with the candidate. In other words, find the jobs that employers want to offer. In other words, find the openings. So I've got two questions. How this can be made known nationally to other states? You know, Do you have a module? Do you have prototype legislation? How have you solved the problem of the recruiters actually finding the openings? I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question because you're right. It's not easy. The great thing about Envision is we do have a deep HR bench. We have two full-time recruiters that are always looking for talent throughout the, not only throughout the state of Kansas, but throughout the, the country, right? So we do have two active recruiters that that is their job, always looking for talent. So we fill our pipeline. So when opportunity comes, we're ready to answer, right? And that's hard to do versus just say you're doing it because of the vastness of Envision. We've got everything from machine operators, you know, all the way up through professional knowledge, J-based job opportunities. And so it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes. Um, and so what we do is we also have a very vibrant contact call center, you know, that, uh, that we're operating now too. So we do have different types of jobs where we can get people at least started. And so then when some of these other types of jobs come up, we're ready to, we're ready to satisfy what the employer is looking for. But as I, I'm not sure when you came into the call today, but I was talking about a little bit about Envision's experience on how ready an employer is to take on individuals who's blind and visually impaired. You know, they also need to be trained to have a successful experience, right? So it needs to be mutual. And so um, this all takes time. We've went through trials and tribulations with it. I talked a little bit about it earlier on this call. Um, we're getting better and better at it, but now at least we recognize it. There are some companies now, like I'll use a couple, like like Meritrust, for instance, in this community has done a stellar job of being prepared and and becoming an, uh, an excellent employer of people um, that are suffering with various forms of uh, macular degeneration and so forth. And they they take them on, boom. And they're ready to go. And so 
as long as these people are properly trained on the upfront, Meritrust is a great example of an employer that's ready to rock and roll. And right now, um, they have a spot, uh, you know, for the right person. And so, um, you know, we're, we're currently training because when we, when we place these people, now we need to get the next person, you know, ready and rolling. And so it's really been a successful relationship. So that's one example of a company that I can attest to here locally that's doing a great job. Um, but, it, it, you know, I'm not sure how big your organization is and what you got for support, but man, it's, it's really hard uh, if you don't have that vastness of one recruiters on one end, two trainers, facilities that are ready to go, uh, access to funds that can provide equipment and so forth. So it's, um, you know, it's a universe uh, and an organization that you really need to help you. So yes, please let me know. Um, the website for the Workforce Innovation Center is called workforceforall.com. That's another, another site you can go to and find on the envisionus.com site, which, you know, you can, you can get to everything uh, through that. But the specific site for the WIC is workforceforall.com. Well, you have a national reach. And are you, have you had, I don't want to put you on the spot, but have other agencies come to you to learn from what you're doing? Great question. A lot of other agencies think that they're doing what we're doing, right? So um, they're already attempting to do it. National Industries for the Blind NIB has their own program that they've launched and it's called Insight. And so what they do is they try to, you know, collaborate and do whatever and help other agencies. Um, I'm not sure how successful it's been yet, but at least they've got it. So if you go to the NIB website and you power through, you'll find the site on Insight and learn about it a little bit about what they're trying to do. We, I have put together a, a, a group of agencies, and that is CABV out of Upstate New York, C-A-B-V-I, which is Central Associated for Persons Who Are Blind and Visually Impaired in Utica, New York. Um, Bosma, which is in Indianapolis, uh, and Vision. Um, the Lighthouse in, um, in Florida, Lee Nassahi's organization, Michael, you know, she went on to Vision Serve Alliance, but, uh, uh, but now her replacement, um, that organization. And then we also uh, have on the team LC Industries, you know, out of North Carolina. And then we have um, San Antonio Lighthouse. And so what we've done is we've collaborated with those five agencies and we get together every couple of months and talk about how we can collaborate and do better and do better. And that was formulated about nine months ago. I can't say that we've had a lot of impactive collaboration yet that's made a difference, but we've certainly exchanged a lot of ideas and a better understanding of what we are all individually trying to do. That's great. And everybody is struggling with some of the same things that you just mentioned. So it's not easy. And so where you've struggled, don't take it personally. 
and certainly don't take it as a situation that can't be overcome because it is hard. And then as it relates to the state of Kansas in this area, unfortunately, we're one of the weakest states in the union, right? Terrible. And it goes back to even our positions on the rehabilitation board. Michael was on it for a while, Representative Vision. I was on it for a while, Representative Vision. And now Stacy Fuller in our rehabilitation department has that post. And I didn't know if you knew that or not, Michael. No, I didn't. But, that's but she's on it. And then if I'm not mistaken, guys, Tom Page is now chair of, you know, this committee. Uh, Michael, is that correct? I believe that is correct. Uh, Tom uh, Page and Tom Anderson have both contacted us and asked us to try and get a representative on again. That's something that's on my to-do agenda. Good, good. So, um, you know, Tom Page is the president of NFB Kansas. Yes. And so they certainly have their views of how they like to go about doing business, as we all know. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's very interesting uh, uh, to where he has progressed to where at least we have a blind individual sharing that committee. And I think that's a first, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So that's progress. But overall, the state does not fund this group very well. And um, to me, it's had limited impact in the years that I've been engaged with it, unfortunately. But they've also changed out the the director of rehab services uh, recently, and I don't know the person now that like I used to know, uh, Donley, right, the guy before him. We invited him and got no response, so we'll see what happens next year. That's a that's a disappointment. Yes, it and, is. Uh, thank you for telling me. Um, anything you guys can do, we do have clout in 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 Topeka. And that's not cool. I mean, you at least deserve a response to say, hey, I'm not available. But right. to ignore a group like yourselves is not, is not how they should be rolling. And, um, and it's good for me to know that because then I can also address the individual myself and go, come on. I mean, what are we all doing here? Wasting our time? Right. You know? Well, thank you very much. Uh, we're... Uh really uh right at the end of your time michael but if you have a few minutes more and anybody else has questions why we don't have that much to do in the business meeting so uh we certainly uh want to have people have an opportunity at you i didn't mean to monopolize the first few questions but you gave very complete and thorough answers which we very much appreciate uh does anybody else have a question for mr monte ferranti before we let him go uh, you're, of course, welcome to stay and listen to our business meeting if you want, but I know how busy you are. Uh, but, uh, uh, Belinda, do we have any hands raised? No, sir, we do not. Well, you've done such a good job, Michael, that apparently you covered it all. Well, I appreciate we, do, we, we do need to thank you for your uh, monetary support of us, though, and and. Uh, we don't plan on that every year, so it's a great surprise when we get it from you, and, and thank you very much. Well, you guys deserve it, and it's the least we can do, uh, and we have a recognition and appreciation of your hard work and the impact that you're having within the state, so that's what we do here. All right. Thank you. Thank that's you. Very, you. very nice of you. Thank you, guys. You all be Take well. And Bob, good to see you, man. <laughs> Take care. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Everybody. Thank you so much.
Yep. Okay, Michael, you are up. Oh, I don't know if I'm up, but I'm. Uh, it's your I, I, turn. I want, start, I want to start this business meeting by uh, thanking a couple of people whom I have not had a chance to uh, thank. Um, last night, about eight thirty. Uh, I, I have an older Windows 7 computer, which I know how to use, and so I really like it. And I don't want to upgrade until I have to, but I guess I've been writing too many parody songs lately that have filled up my uh, uh, internal hard drive, and my computer was not doing everything it was supposed to because the hard drive was absolutely completely full. And uh, so I was trying to figure out how to... Uh, move some things to an external hard drive that we hooked up and uh, what to delete to give myself more room on my disk. And I'm a fumble-fingered computer, computer user. There's no question about that. And I managed to uh, delete my entire Microsoft uh, suite at about 8.30 last night. And fortunately, Pat Tusing uh, put the Bintons onto a computer guru that she uses who is now out of Michigan named Dave Follis and Dave was willing to get on the line with me at 8 30 9 30 at night his time he had to take a couple of uh, breaks to uh, chase his chickens into the coop because he also is a farmer but he's a very good computer guy and uh, he managed uh, with some help from uh, some licenses that Ann had recently gotten and so on to completely restore my Microsoft suite and get my computer functioning again and make a little bit more room on my hard drive until I can get everything moved. He's going to help me with that. Uh, so I really owe uh, a, lot, a big thanks to uh, Dave Follis of the computer guru out of, uh, it's, he calls his company Indie Computer out of uh, Michigan. And I also want to thank Pat Tusing because I would have never found out about Dave if she hadn't have said, he's the guy you need to bail you out when you do something stupid like that. So uh, uh, I, I really appreciate um, all of that. And I owe that to being here today. Uh, otherwise, I might have not been able to get on and do this. Uh, by way of a president's report to start out our business meeting, I will say that uh, about a month ago, we finally completed a very complicated office move. We didn't change buildings, but uh, our affiliate office that houses a lot of materials that we recovered from services for the blind when it essentially went away in Kansas, uh, and we have been stewarding and using to continue some teaching and direct service uh, things that used to be done by the agency. Uh, but since the agency doesn't exist, no one was doing them. We've been able to take on doing a few of them. And during the time all of that was happening, as one program would go down and we would get the stuff from it, we'd need a little more office space. And then we'd need a little bit more office space the next time the program went down and we acquired uh, teaching materials, uh, Braille library materials, etc. We were in the Casson building in downtown Topeka, which is now being made into a uh, affordable housing apartment complex and is no longer an office building. 
we moved over to uh, the uh, anchor building down on Kansas Avenue, had very nice offices that uh, had beautiful uh, floor-to-ceiling windows that looked out over Kansas Avenue, and they were giving us a reasonable deal on rent, but reasonable though it may have been compared to market value in some ways, uh, we were having trouble really uh, justifying the expenditure. It was getting hard to afford it. We weren't making as much money as we were putting out. And so I contacted the folks at the anchor building uh, back early in 2022 and said, you know, in a couple of years, we may have to shut down and move out completely if we can't find cheaper office rent. And they worked with us. And we figured out that those floor-to-ceiling windows that look out on the beautifully renovated Kansas Avenue uh, were probably a good sales feature for them to re-rent that office space to somebody who could pay them more for it. But we really didn't have a lot of use for those scenic windows and things like that. So uh, we were able to get them to rent to us uh, about two thirds as much space, which we were managing, which we've managed to squeeze into. Uh, it's in the back of the office building, still right on Kansas Avenue, but now we have two windows that uh, look out on the alley instead of uh, maybe uh, 11 or 12 that looked out over Kansas Avenue. And uh, we were able to save appreciable monies by, uh, by doing that. But that has required moving an entire Braille library that we got from uh, the state. It has uh, required moving uh, 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 office materials, Braille printers, uh, all of the archives of teaching materials, and our assistive technology uh, revise, uh, renovation program, which we don't do computers anymore. But we do still accept donations of CCTVs, uh, smaller visual aids, uh, reading machines, uh, handheld magnification, etc. And we try to get that stuff up in shape if it needs a little bit of work uh, and then get it back out to the community. And the way KABBI operates is uh, we don't set a price on the things that we put back out. We simply try to get them back out into the hands of people who need them. Uh, we do tell them if we had to spend some money to renovate that item and try to get them to give us at least that. We don't usually do that, but uh, we do tell them, hey, we do have to keep the rent paid and uh, keep our organization operating. So if you can afford to give us a donation for that, uh, we really uh, appreciate that. And we managed to make, oh, maybe a few hundred dollars that way every year. I'm not going to characterize it as a huge uh, operation. But over 2022, I'm quite sure that we've placed five or six CCTVs and uh, quite a number of other uh, devices and so on. But all of that stuff, all of the parts, all of the pieces of CCTVs that we were trying to cobble together into functional CCTVs all had to be moved. And uh, I can't say that we had a huge amount of people come and help with that because it's really hard to use a whole lot of people at once when you're moving into small spaces. They run into each other and it's just hard to do that. But uh, Ann's brother, uh, Tony Cruz, who 
at one time was a uh, worked for a moving company came down and helped us the building management uh, company was great they helped us take apart our shelving and put it back together in our new library area uh, they helped uh, do things like disassemble and reassemble our conference table and stuff that I had no idea how to do. Uh, Angel Blair was up several days and helped us with some of the small displays. Uh, she's a, a longtime member and uh, a local person. Uh, Angel is uh, a little bit like what I used to be. I used to be able to drive in familiar areas with my bioptic. I don't do that anymore, but Angel still does a little bit. So she helped us uh, move some things out that we needed to take somewhere else and so on. And uh, uh, Ann uh, was definitely my right-hand person in the move. Uh, she uh, did a lot of unpacking and repacking of the library materials. And I just can't help not own, but thank everybody who helped us achieve the move, but also everybody who offered to help where we said, we're just got so many people running back and forth right now in so little space. We don't really need the help, but, but thank you so much for thinking of us. We got the move completed. And I've had a little bit of trouble as the person who is mainly the person who spends the most time in the office right now, getting back into my work a day, placing CCTVs and uh, uh, just administering the organization because of having sort of come down from all of the moving activities that we had to do. But my biggest accomplishment for the, uh, uh, the year probably has to be that uh, the office has been relocated at enough savings that I think that we'll be able to operate for a few more years. Uh, hopefully, on past that, uh, we continue to try to encourage more people who are somewhere below retirement age to get involved with the organization. And I don't know that we've found the magic bullet on that yet uh, in that uh, most of the people on our board of directors and most of the people in our organization for that matter, tend to be people who are uh, older and blind. But the fact is, statistically, there's a lot more older blind people out there than there are people who are younger and blind or visually impaired simply because with the aging process, more people lose vision. So perhaps our membership looks like a cross-section of blindness in America right now. But needless to say, we're trying to appeal to people of all ages because it's the next generation that's going to keep us going. And that's really what I would represent to you as my president's report for this year. Does anyone have comments or questions? I guess I either explained it all or put everybody to sleep. So the next thing that I have on my agenda is our treasurer's report. And again, another person whom I cannot find words to say thank you enough to is our longtime and very capable treasurer, Bob Chaffin. Bob Chaffin doesn't receive any compensation besides thank yous from the rest of us for all of the hard work that he does to uh, keep the finances of the organization straight. I have learned from watching Bob how to do some of what he does as treasurer of uh, the Friends in Art of the American Council of the Blind, but I'll never do it as well as Bob does it for us. 
So I want to welcome Bob to give his report. And uh, thank you. And it's all yours, Bob. Well, thank you, Michael, for the introduction. (laughs) Anyway, Treasurer's Report. This is January 1 through September 20th of this year. I do want to make one comment here. when I read the amount on the convention registrations, we need to remember that this is actually our second convention during 2022. So that that makes these uh, convention registrations be a bit elevated to what they otherwise would be. Right. Having said that, general fund revenue Convention registrations, $535. Membership dues, $955. Donations, $5,113.49. Fundraising, $414.12. Investment income, $1,202.68 giving total revenue to September 20th of $8,220.29. For expenses, ACB dues, $320. Insurance, this would be a liability as well as a treasurer's bond, uh, $109.16. Office rent, $2,811.97. Phone and internet, $1,296.89. Postage, $24. Print news, $706.22. State of Kansas registration fees, $65. Technology committee, Maintaining the website, etc., seven hundred and thirteen dollars and ninety-five cents, giving us total general fund expense six thousand forty-seven dollars and nineteen cents, and we have a net on the general fund of, of September twentieth of a positive $2,173.10. Scholarship account, balance in that uh, scholarship account is $8,999.77. Assets on September 20th, Sunflower Sunflower Bank General Fund Checking, $5,834.42. PIMCO Bond Fund, $39,395.55. Templeton Bond Fund, $17,927.35. Um, the Columbia Limited Bond Fund, $19,363.28. Uh, 
office equipment, $1,500, making total assets of $84,020.60. As far as notes, the scholarship funds are now being held in the general fund checking. This kind of simplifies things a little bit. Um, and the scholarship account currently has $8,999.77 as read. Within that scholarship fund is a youth activities account, which has $3,218.65 in it. And we are, KBVI is holding guide dog users of Kansas uh, money in the amount of $655.97. Questions? Not hearing. Uh, we have no raised hands. Oh, we do. Well, no raised hands. Uh, well, Bob is so complete, that's not terribly surprising. Uh, that's an excellent job. I would make an observation. Even uh, I, I heard what you said about the fact that the uh, proceeds from the 2021 convention actually happened in January of 2022. So that explains some of our largesse. But uh, even without that uh, extra largesse, uh, this is the first time we have had a positive end of the year balance uh, in quite a number of years. So perhaps some of the changes that we've made are beginning to uh, take some good effect. And that certainly makes my heart as president go pitter-pat because I don't want to be the captain when, if the ship goes down. And I don't think it's going to, uh, but this is very encouraging and we're going to just try to keep it up. That being said... I will make a motion that we accept the treasurer's report Okay, I don't know if that's absolutely parliamentarily necessary, but it's a good idea. So I will accept that. Is there any one seconding? Uh, somebody out in the panel, raise your hand a second. So, in the audience, uh, yeah, outside of the the panel, that is. <laughs> well, everybody must be asleep. Oh, there, there's no, there they go. Angel is uh, Angel. That's great. Okay, now Angel and Deb, those both hands have hands up. Was that the second, or did either of you have questions for Bob? We we got the second. If you have no questions for Bob, why you could lower your hands. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Nice to know there's some folks out there still. Uh, the next thing that we need to, uh, Deb still has her hand raised. So did you have a question or comment, Deb? No, I don't know how to lower my hand. Now. I got, I can do it for you. Okay. Thanks. Belinda's going to put your hand down. Oh, she's good at what she does. Hands down. Uh, oh, oh, I don't know. They, they they can't all be roaring with uh, successful laughter. Uh, speaking of successful laughter, uh, it was decided by uh, the convention committee that since uh, 
I don't happen to be up for election uh, this year as a board member, at least, that uh, I should run the elections. And uh, I do need to explain the way that we operate our elections and uh, why they are operated this way. Uh, back in the 1990s, uh, we found that uh, we had uh, inadvertently caused our 501c3 to be turned into a 501c4, which is not nearly as much of an advantage from a tax deduction for contribution standpoint. And we wanted to re-establish our 501c3. We were able to do that, but we had to do it under the rules of 1990 and not the rules of 1920 when our organization was originally founded. With that, our IRS angel that was uh, helping steward us through the process said that we had to uh, have our board of directors elected by our membership, but that the officers had to be elected by the board of directors. We have operated in compliance with that ever since that went into our uh, constitution and our articles of incorporation or wherever it goes. Uh, but our membership never really liked that, and it's not as consistent as we thought it should be with ACB's principles of having a uh, strong, con a strong uh, membership actually run the organization and the factor, uh, the the policies thereof. So, what Dave Schwinn, who was at the time he made this suggestion, our vice president came up with. He said, well, why don't we hold the elections as per usual, but tell the folks that uh, uh, the election will be uh, ratified by the uh, board of directors and that what the membership is actually doing is making a recommendation to the board of directors. And in the history since we've been doing that, the board of directors has never failed to take the recommendations of our membership. So this way we're doing things legally, but we're also adhering to ACB's rules, well, not rules, but standards of being a democratic organization. So what I'm going to do is uh, tell you who the people serving on our board of directors are, and then who has agreed to run for what. We will vote for the board of directors, and then we will talk about recommendations as to who should continue as your officers. Uh, the current board of directors, I'm going to read, first of all, the people whose terms do not expire this year. Uh, the board of directors uh, uh, are, the officers don't have to come from the board, but they usually do, and right now they are. Uh, Bob Chafin expires in 2024. Paul Bershight expires in 2024. That is their membership to uh, that is their membership to the board. Uh, Michael Byington expires in 2024, and Nancy Johnson expires in 2023. Uh, in uh, 2023, Carolyn Tomlinson also expires. Sharna Dahl expires, and Bill Moore expires. Now, in 2022. And these are four of the five board positions that we need to fill. Uh, 
the people whom uh, are currently serving in those positions are Kathy Dawson, Ann Byington, Henry Staub, and Vilma Johnson. Those are the folks whose terms are up for election this year. Of those four people, three of them have elected to uh, run again. And we do not currently in our Constitution have term limits saying you can only be on for a certain number of years. We've had turnover from time to time and really haven't found a need for that. Uh, But uh, all of those people, with the exception of Kathy Dawson, have been have uh, volunteered to uh, run for an additional term. Kathy Dawson's term. Uh, the nominee put forward by the nominating committee for uh, that term is Kimberly Morrow. Kimberly has been a longtime member of the organization, and uh, during her college years, uh, some 20 or 30 years ago, uh, she did also receive quite a number of scholarships from KABVI. She said that she certainly agrees that it's time that she give back some time to the organization. So she has agreed to run for that board position. Uh, You may have noticed that I read only three names for 2024. And that is because Julie McCullough, uh, whose term was to be up in 2024, has uh, resigned. Uh, We thank Julie for her service. But Kathy Dawson, although she did not want to run for another full term, has agreed to run to fill uh, Julie McCullough's uh, unexpired term. So we will be taking five votes for people with the board of directors. And uh, I will call for nominations three times. If there are no other nominations, then the position will be considered elected by acclamation. The first position is Belma Johnson's. Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? You do have one hand raised. I have one raised, yes. Yes. Let's recognize that hand. All right. Uh, Nancy? I just wanted, Michael, I did put together minutes. Now, I know I'm out of line here, but I wanted you to know uh, we kind of skipped over that. And I don't know whether you want to do it or not, but I do have minutes from, I came up with minutes from the last meeting. So okay. from, I'm sorry, from, I'm out of order here, but. We're not doing a total uh, board meeting right now. I, I saw that you had sent those out, Nancy, but I thought they were from the last board meeting. Are they from, uh, did you take minutes They're, on the meeting last year? They, no, not, not, not this one. That was from the last board meeting. I thought you might want them. So, uh, no, I did not, but I am this year. They are a matter of uh, public record, and we usually publish them in the news, but we don't normally do, we, we won't normally do full board minutes at the annual meeting. So, okay. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we, you had whatever information you needed. And yes, I am taking minutes this, this time. I think I'm, I'll look back and see if I did something last year. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm done. Thank you very much. Continuing with the nominations, uh, having heard no other calls for the floor, uh, I would uh, 
uh, entertain a motion to accept Velma Johnson by acclamation. Uh, Ann, just raise her hand. Okay. I would move that we accept Velma Johnson by acclamation. All right. Uh, I'll second I, that. All right. So we have that taken care of. That first position is filled. The next one is Henry Staub. And Henry has agreed to serve for another three-year term. Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, I would entertain a motion for Henry Staub to be uh, re-elected to the board by acclamation. Okay, uh, Nancy has her hand up again. Yes, she does. I'll I'll move that... uh the vote be by acclamation. All right. And uh, do we have a second? For Henry. For Henry. All right. Do we have a second? People from the panel or the audience side can second. You have one on the... Uh... Ann? Ann is seconding. All right. Uh, moving to the third position. If it's by acclamation and there's no other uh, uh, candidates, we don't have to vote on that. I, I checked on that, and we don't, so we won't. But uh, Henry is elected. The next one, uh, whose term expires in 2022, is Ann Byington. Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, would anyone care to move that Ann be uh, accepted by acclamation? I so yes. move. There you go. All right, Bob so moves. And do we have a second on that? Yep, you have. <clears throat> All right. Henry. Okay, so Ann has been elected by acclamation. Uh, now, the last position for a three-year term is Kim or Kimberly Morrow. And uh, according to her email, that is, and uh, as she pointed out when I talked to her about accepting the nomination, uh, I said, I guess it's actually Dr. Kim Morrow now. And she said, yeah, you should remember that. You guys helped pay for part of that doctorate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dr. Kimberly Morrow uh, would, is uh, the next nominee. Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, does anyone wish to move to accept Kim Morrow by acclamation? I do have my hand up. Okay. And yes, I I don't know. I would, I move that Kim Morrow be uh, elected by. Acclamation, and for those of you who don't know her, we're going to play a recording from her tomorrow um, at the end, no, yeah, tomorrow in mid-afternoon as a Where Are They Now feature on the past and current scholarship winners, so stay tuned for that. 
you'll find out more about her. She's definitely a board-worthy quality person. <laughs> a board-worthy quality person. I, I yeah. like it. All yeah. right. Now to fill the rest of the term vacated by Julie McCullough, uh, our nominee is Kathy Dawson. Uh, are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, I would accept a uh, motion to accept Kathy Dawson to fill the remainder of that term by acclamation. I misplaced my modifier there, but do it anyway. You have uh, Julie. Uh, Julie is uh, our, our. Yes, I move that Kathy fill my unexpired term. Okay, thank you, Julie. And uh, I, I before I ask for a second, want to take a uh, moment to thank Julie for her service on the board. She had some other things come up. Uh, she's very busy as a tenants rights advocate uh, for a tenants group that she's working with and so on. Uh, but Reverend Julie did a wonderful job on the board. We appreciate her service. But now we need a second for Kathy. And I'll, I'll second her. I'll second her. All right. Uh, all those, well, don't have to do that. So that takes care of the elections of our board of directors. Now we have the officers. Uh, all officers have, uh, in some cases, reluctantly said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll serve another year. Uh, so uh, I, I will take uh, recommendations from the board of director, I mean, recommendations for officers, which the board will undoubtedly adhere to. Uh, I can't... Uh, I forgot about this part when everybody decided that I could do this, but I cannot run the election for uh, president if I agree to do it again, which I will do. So uh, could I ask my vice president, Paul Bershite, to uh, run this part of the election? On. Is Paul on? I didn't warn him ahead of time, so he, he may have Take it off to the bathroom. I'm not seeing a Paul in the attendee side. All right. Well, then oh, I will ask uh, uh, our treasurer, Bob Chaffin, to uh, take over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are, are there, am I on? Yes, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Are there any nominations from the floor for president? Are there any nominations from the floor for president? Are there any nominations from the floor for president? Then we need a motion to elect Michael Byington uh, unanimously to the uh, position of president. Well, so moved. I move that Michael continue as president. Uh, you have okay. to move by. Okay. Never oh. Never mind. Do we have a second? Second. Okay. So Michael is elected president for another year as 
Okay. Thank you, I think. And uh, I can take back over now. Uh, I can tell you that although he may not be uh, available right at this moment, that Paul is a very active vice president. I hear from him very frequently. Uh, and uh, we work well together. Uh, is Are there any other nominations from the floor? Any other nominations from the floor for the office of vice president? Any other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, do I hear a motion to retain Paul Bershite in that role? I move that Paul Bershite um, be elected unanimously to the vice president. Thank you, Second. sir. Second. That's been seconded. So uh, we'll move on now to the secretary's position. This organization has three. The first secretary's position, and you can tell she's doing her job. She reminded me she had minutes. Uh, our recording secretary is Nancy Johnson. Do I hear any other nominations from the floor? Do I hear any other nominations from the floor? Do I hear any other nominations from the floor? Move that Nancy be elected by acclamation. Is there a second? Julie has raised her Julie. hand. Julie? Okay. He's seconding. Uh, so that uh, again, if it's uh, if no one is nominated, why uh, we don't have to take a vote. Uh, the next position would be the uh, membership secretary. That job is ably filled by Carolyn Tomlinson, who agreed to take it for another year. Uh, are there any other nominations from the floor? Are there any other nominations from the floor? Other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, do I hear a motion to elect Carolyn Tomlinson? Tomlinson, I'm sorry, in that position. I move Carolyn be elected by acclamation. Second. And I second. All right. Um, your your light came on on my screen, screen, Belinda. Did you need to get our attention? Oh, no, I was just going to let you know. Henry raised his hand also. Oh, all right. Well, he hasn't seconded anyone for a while. We'll recognize yeah. Henry officially for that one then. All right. Uh, okay, that's I've got through two of the secretaries. Now we have the corresponding secretary, which is Anne. Are there any uh, other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Are there other nominations from the floor? Hearing none, do I hear a uh, motion that Anne be uh, elected by acclamation uh, as another year of corresponding secretary work? Anybody else on this on this call? Yes, I, I move that Anne continue as secretary of the board. Okay, is there a second? <laughs> I second it. All right. Thank you. I think. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have our board filled out in full for another year. Uh, uh, that is uh, 
the last few years, there haven't been a lot of controversy in our elections, but uh, we certainly have uh, had uh, a lot of activity from all of those board members, and uh, uh, there have been, uh, you know, considerable discussions uh, figuring out who wanted to do what and so on. So uh, I appreciate the fact that you all made it fairly easy for me to get through that. You didn't do treasure. Not to, uh, oh, my goodness. I did. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> uh, our nominee for treasure is Bob Chaffin. Chaffin. Uh, you know, his name, I have heard pronounced Chaffin and Chaffin. I've even heard him pronounce it both ways occasionally. I'm not sure which is the right one, even though I've known him for 40 years. Chaff. Wait, Chaff. Chaff. Chaffin, all right. Go ahead. Nominations from the floor, dear. What's that? Nominations from the floor. Nominations from the floor two more times. And did the first call. I did the second. And now are there any other nominations from the floor? Chaffin be elected by acclamation. Okay, that was Nancy, I believe. No, it was Ann. It was Ann. It was Ann. I second it. Okay. Now we're done with it all. <laughs> Bob, I don't know how in the world I did that. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, Derwood McDaniel suggested even if we were going to have term limits in the other positions, uh, not do it in treasures. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if, if you have concerns... Take it up with the ghost of Derwood McDaniel. Uh, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know, Derwood McDaniel was uh, one of the founding members and one of the leaders that came over from NFB back in 1961 to found the American Council of the Blind. In fact, uh, for a while, he was known as Founder Derwood. So uh, that's that's the guru that I mentioned when I talk about his recommendations on if you get a good person in the treasury, you want to be able to keep them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the program says that our business meeting was to go until five. And I didn't think we probably had enough business to uh, conduct to really take up quite that much time. But we decided that it really wouldn't hurt if people had a little bit longer break before the banquet. I do need to ask if there is any other old business to come before the annual meeting of KABVI that I may have omitted uh, inadvertently from putting on the agenda. I have my hand up. Yes, yes, Ann. This isn't exactly old business, but, um, well, kind of it is. I have a couple of topics. I don't want to discuss them. I'm just going to raise them. Uh, because we're going to have a board meeting, I think you said on the 8th, is it, of October? Uh, That's kind of what I was looking at, yes. Okay, so uh, by that time, I will have researched uh, using Square as a means of getting um, things accomplished through the internet in terms of paying for things. And also, uh, I will investigate and probably write an article about a uh, an opportunity that Pat Tusing told us about called the ABLE account 
and it is available at the state level and also nationally. And if, if I understand it correctly, and I don't yet, but I will by then, you can deposit up to $16,000 a year in an account that is invested by the state of Kansas. And that money is tax-free. The taxes are deferred on it. And it can be withdrawn from that account tax-free. And it can be used for uh, things like rent and medical expenses and, and that kind of thing. And I will research what's involved in applying for those accounts and also what's what the requirements are for withdrawing from those accounts. I think that's one of the best kept secrets in, this, in the country as far as disabled people are concerned. The other thing I would like to remind you all of is that we do have a virtual banquet at seven o'clock and um, our speaker is Ashley Moselle. Uh, there's a little bit of a blurb about her on the pre-registration form and the program. I think she's gonna be interesting. She'll definitely be a, a breath of fresh air for us because she does not think quite like we do, which is fine. Uh, and then after that presentation, we will hear a recording of uh, Stockton Grunewald, who is one of our more recent scholarship winners. So don't go away and don't, and please do come back, enjoy your virtual filet mignon or lobsters, uh, thermidor or whatever you have for supper and come back for the banquet at seven, please. You must think everybody who makes more money than we do, we're having pizza for the banquet. <laughs> but uh, that, that sounds good. I do have to ask for new business. And if there's no new business, then we'll go to one more door prize before uh, uh, end. You have uh, a raised hand. Uh, yes. Uh, Henry? I did have a question, uh, but you answered it when you said it was a virtual banquet because I was getting kind of hungry and was wondering what was being served. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Well, now, are you <laughs> hanging out on the same computer today, Henry? Pardon? Are you and are you and Carolyn hanging out on the same computer today? Well, yeah, in a way. I mean, I've got my uh, my computer on, and she's got her iPad on, you know. And uh, but we're both kind of centered on their computer here. But you're in proximity of each other, huh? We're too close, or we'll squawk. You know, we. Gotcha. So. Well, I, I was just going to suggest that you need to ask each other what's being served. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We do have one more door prize uh, to uh, give away today. Well, actually, we, I think we're doing one at a banquet, but now we have $35 cash from uh, the Braille Literacy Project. Not I Braille, just Literacy Project. Oh, just the Literacy Project. I'm sorry. Right. And uh, that's uh, donated by. Uh, it's a uh, uh, founder. Founder, there we go. That's a good word. Pat Tusing. So uh, I'll, I'll ask uh, Alexa to generate a number. Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number, a number between 1 and 36. Okay. It's 27. Well, uh, Two Alexas apparently heard me say that. <laughs> one of them said 28, one of them said 27, but I think 27 won something earlier. 
And I heard 28 first. It is the only planet known to have life on it. The Earth is Okay, so who are you giving it to? 28. 28 is Su- Susan Fagan. Oh, good. Oh, no. Okay. She's a Topekan, and she often Very comes good. to our local uh, chapter. So, Very Susan, good. You got $35 I, I do, in cash coming, and that will come I, to you. I do have one other thing to talk about very quickly, if I may. Certainly. We did start or try to start a uh, users group called How Do You Do That? And John Markout is in charge of that. And we got stuck on the idea or the technicalities of using a subgroup of our KABVI at acblists.org group. And I frankly forgot to call John and see if he's made any headway on that. We're terribly behind schedule, but it's still in the works. So don't give up on us, okay? Okay. And I should have had an update about that on the agenda because it was discussed at the meeting last year. So I apologize to you and Carolyn and Kathy and all the people who are behind the formation of that group. Uh, But thank you very much. And uh, if there is no other business to come before the body, the annual meeting of KABVI is adjourned until the banquet. Thank you, hosters. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, Tyson has been streaming all day. And uh, we still have Cecily, who has been uh, writing herd on everybody and running things all day with ACB Media. And I remember <laughs> you got it right. So, uh, folks, Thank you. they do a wonderful job. And without ACB Media, uh, this convention would wander around a few people in Kansas, but we have right. people listening all over the world. Unknown caller. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.